you know, idle talk and conspiracy theories become a major issue in today's world, especially with everything going on right now. Isn't that true? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Embry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible, the Word of God. And as we do that today, we're talking about Timothy. We're reading from a passage that Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1. We'll be talking about it in three minutes' time. It's going to be a good one. Corey? I'm taking a look at the place where Timothy was stationed, the church that he was tasked with overseeing and teaching was the church in the city of Ephesus. So more on that later. Ryan? Today, Paul reminds Timothy of the history of the creation and fall of Adam and Eve. So today and tomorrow, you and I are going to review that foundational history as well. Very good. Excellent. Janice? I want to talk about the amazing grace and forgiveness of God. All right. Open your Bible guide. Let's go. First Timothy 1, 1 through 11. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope, to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers, and murderer of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. You know, 1 Timothy chapter 1 to 3 is interesting. Paul is, is getting personal now, and he's writing to Timothy, his friend who he loves, his son, if you would. It's not his son, but it seems like his son, his spiritual son. And leaders in the church are very, very important. They are commanded in the scriptures not to just teach anything they want, but to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that he commanded. Leaders in the church are told not to teach anything they want, but to teach everything that God commanded. Now, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, you know, Paul told Timothy to stick to the truth of the scriptures when teaching. Timothy was a young pastor, mentored by Paul, and was sent to Ephesus to straighten out things on behalf of Paul. In his first of two letters, Paul writes a very pastoral letter to Timothy. Now, this is short, but a powerful book. It's very important for the church leaders everywhere in every time. We must stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ and not teach what we desire, but teach only what God has commanded in his word. Did you understand that? This requires a level of humility and dedication as we earnestly desire to faithfully interpret the scriptures with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me be clear about this. I pastored for many years at church, started the church, and there is absolutely nothing that I preached that I could not, that I could do myself. I had to do everything and the Spirit of God had to come through me. It was the Spirit of God, it was not me. I, I think we need to remember that, especially in today's world where pastors are made, you know, great, powerful people who just do everything right and we just believe what he says. No, no. Believe what the Bible says. Now we can support our pastors and we should. But our pastors fail because they're human. Shepherds that don't fail, they go through a lot. But God is using them to speak his word. We need to remember that. We need to love our pastors. And I realize there are pastors watching now who I'm speaking to. As pastor to pastor, let me tell you something. If we do it on our own, we're going to fail. It'll be a time, but we'll fail. But if we teach the word of God, God will succeed in us. That's very, very important. And let me tell you something. We're talking about teaching truth today. Take your Bible guide and turn to the passage with us. If you don't have a Bible guide, why not? You need to write and get your Bible guide or call and get it because that's how we continue on. New Bible guide for January is coming this month. So make sure you get on the list. Father, we pray today as we talk about teaching the truth that you would help us to hear what Paul said to Timothy. It's very important. Mm. Help us, Lord. As teachers and people with Bible studies or people in churches, help us to hear your word right here. Put it in our hearts and put it in our minds as we hear you, the power of the Holy Spirit. These are your words, Holy Spirit. So show us what you're saying today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at it. Here's the first passage. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Here's what it says. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Did you hear that? An apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Our Savior and our hope. Verse 2. To Timothy, a true son in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, 
which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. The purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith, from which some have strayed, having turned aside to idle talk. Idle talk and conspiracy theories become a kind of dangerous worship we should stay clear of. Idle talk and conspiracy theories become a kind of dangerous worship we should stay clear of. We must stay focused on God and his word every second of every day. Stay in the Bible. Are you reading the Bible? You need to stay in the word of God. God is going to speak to us. That's how we hear from God. Okay, now we, pastors, stay in the Bible. Teach the Bible. <laughs> Very important. Next passage, 7 and 8. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they infirm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Here again, Paul says that the law of God can be misunderstood and taught wrongly. Remember that faith in Jesus Christ has freed us from the bondage of the law. Now, that does not give us permission to go live like we want, but it just means that we understand that the law identifies what is wrong. When we come to Christ, we love him. And so we desire to follow him. When we desire to follow Christ, let me tell you something, our hearts change. That becomes very important. Now, the scripture also says, as we read 9-11, it says here, and this is important. It says, these or knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for the sinners, for the unholy and profane, for the murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for the manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Paul says that God's law convicts sin. Sin is real. But confessing faith in Jesus Christ saves us from sin. We should stay focused on the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. Focused on the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. And let me say that if you don't know Jesus Christ, you should. He came 2,000 years ago, lived a righteous life in front of us, and we couldn't take it. So we crucified him on a cross. And three days later, he was buried in a nice tomb covered with a seal, a pilot, and the whole thing. Miraculously, the stone rolled away, and he came to life in the flesh, rose from the dead, and it says, if we believe that happened, and we say, Lord, come into my heart, forgive me of my sin, make me right with you in Jesus' name, amen. We will be saved. All right, well, as we learn from 1 Timothy uh, and even the book of Acts, we could have pieced it together. We see that the Apostle Paul 
encouraged Timothy to stay in the city of Ephesus, which he did, uh, really to counter false teaching that was going on and to lead the Ephesian church uh, in uh, in proper doctrine, proper learning about the gospel of Christ. Now, today, you and I are going to be taking a look at Ephesus in particular because it turns out this was a very key city, a very strategic city for the spreading of the gospel. So it makes sense that the apostle Paul would really want to make sure that the teaching here was sound. Take a look. The Roman city of Ephesus appears many times on the pages of the New Testament of the Bible and in different ways. Ephesus was visited twice by the Apostle Paul, who for his second visit stayed for the unusually long period of two and a half years. From Ephesus, Paul wrote Philippians, Philemon, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and possibly Galatians and Colossians. John, the author of Revelation, possibly wrote his work at Ephesus as well. The book of Ephesians was addressed directly to Christians living in Ephesus. First and second Timothy were written to Timothy, whom Paul had left as a teacher in Ephesus. And Ephesus is one of the seven churches spoken to at the beginning of Revelation. After the time of the apostles, Ephesus continued to be important in the early church. It's believed that here, the gospels may have first been grouped together in a bundle for convenient circulation. There's an early Christian tradition that claims the Apostle John and Mary, the mother of Jesus, chose Ephesus as their last earthly home. When looking at the history of Ephesus, it makes sense that Paul chose to spend a significant amount of time there. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, he claims that a wide door for ministry had been opened for him there. Ephesus was the capital city of the Roman province of Asia Minor, and as such was the residence of a Roman governor and the subject of imperial building and upkeep. It was a major port city that controlled sea and land trade and travel routes, and therefore had a constant stream of travelers and merchants. This was enhanced by its famous temple to the goddess Artemis Diana, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Not only would this temple have attracted many religious pilgrims, but the commercial industry around it also, at least once, caused a major riot due to Christianity's disrupting influence. Ephesus was also a center of emperor worship and hosted its own Olympic Games. Intellectually, Ephesus attracted scholars and philosophers. It had a reputation for scholarship that would culminate after Paul's time in the famous two-story Library of Celsus. Ephesus was in a strategic location that facilitated Christian missions. There was a constant multicultural flow of people, religious pilgrims, and scholars and philosophers to evangelize. It's no wonder that Paul stayed to work in Ephesus and then left his trusted friend Timothy to continue the work. Today, the city of Ephesus is one of the most archaeologically excavated and preserved sites of the Roman world, largely because it was abandoned in history. Its ancient ruins are not covered with a modern city. In the 3rd century AD, the city suffered major damage from an earthquake that wasn't sufficiently repaired until the late 4th century by a Christian emperor. The city lasted until it was ravaged by a fire in the early 7th century, leaving it largely abandoned. When its harbor finally silted up in the 9th century, it was abandoned wholesale, leaving it a place of Christian pilgrimage. 
So there we go. Again, really、uh, interesting and helpful, I think, to take a look at the geography and the the history of the region where these letters were actually written to, where the Christian churches were living. You know, their cultural context helps add a lot of dimension to the issues that we see being talked about in books of the Bible, especially here in First and Second Timothy. So it's important to remember then that the the geographical location where the churches are at is. Really critical, and we we find that also in the second and third chapter of Revelation,、mm-hmm. uh, and that's very interesting. Yes, and so、uh, God speaks to those churches based on the culture they're in, and all of that. And we can read that and understand. Oh, I get it. This is this culture, that cult, and my culture. And so that's how we take it. That's that we read what God says to the culture, and then we have to. Take it ourselves, <laughs> because nobody gets off that easy, and we need to pay attention to the Lord. Very good, Corey. Excellent work, right? All right. Well, as I mentioned off the top of the program, Paul reminds Timothy in First Timothy chapter two, verses thirteen and fourteen, about the history of the creation and fall of the first human beings, namely Adam and Eve. And notice that Paul says that God formed Adam and Eve. Now, other biblical passages explain that God formed Adam out of the dust of the earth, and then He formed Eve from Adam's flesh and bone. And the Bible is clear that Adam and Eve were very real people who didn't evolve from ape-like creatures, as some Christians like to believe. God created man directly out of the dust and breathed into him the breath of life. And today, we're going to review that historical event as we study the life of the very first man, Adam. At the culmination of creation, after God had made the heavens and earth and all therein, He specially fashions beings in His own image, according to His likeness. Indeed, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. This was Adam, the first man and progenitor of the entire human race. Fittingly, Adam means man, mankind, or humankind. And is a wordplay on the Hebrew term for ground. Interestingly, though Adam has just been created, to an outside observer he would appear adult-like. Indeed, a certain level of physical maturity was necessary in order to be fruitful and multiply. Adam's ability to understand God's words and to communicate also illustrates that he possessed a level of mental maturity. Indeed, once placed in the Garden of Eden, God commands Adam that he may eat freely of every tree. Except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you eat of it, God says, you shall surely die. Then, in a display of His creation, God brings the animals before Adam to see what He would call them. Through this process, Adam realizes that none of them are comparable to him. He alone bears the image of God. As he is thinking on these things, he falls into a deep sleep. While sleeping, God takes out of Adam's side and forms the first woman. When Adam wakes and sees her, he says, "This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man." And they were both naked, with no shame. Though God had provided them the perfect life, a tempter was in their midst. The father of lies comes as a crafty serpent and convinces the newly married couple to partake of the forbidden fruit. At that moment, their eyes are opened. Now, subject to full exposure, they hastily cover themselves with homemade garments of fig leaves and attempt to hide from their loving father. But nothing is hidden from God. Sin has now entered into the creation, and God shows them the price for it: death. Before their very eyes, He slaughters an animal. 
The blood is for the covering of their sins, and the tunics of flesh is for the covering of their skins. On top of this, they are cut off from the life giver. God drives them out of the garden away from the tree of life, and Adam is now forced to plant his own garden in the now cursed ground. Both spiritual and physical death began that day. Indeed, after 930 years on earth, and after fathering Cain, Abel, Seth, as well as other sons and daughters, Adam returned to the dust from which he came. Though Adam was literally the son of God, because of his fall into sin, a second Adam, a second son of God, would now be required to restore our lost relationship with our Creator. Okay, Janice? All right, we're talking about the amazing grace and forgiveness of God. You know, I, as I'm reading this letter that Paul wrote to um, Timothy, which really was his son in the faith, uh, not a biological son, but he really mentored and cared uh, for Timothy. And it's like he's giving kind of a, a mini testimonial here, starting at verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Paul is testifying to Timothy of who he was and the transformation that took place in the man named Saul transformed to the man that we know as Apostle Paul because of the faith and the love uh, and the mercy of God. And, and then we, we read that, that we're to be praying for all men because it says here, let's read first Timothy chapter two. Let's see my time one to six. Therefore, Paul says, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Listen, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And listen, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. These are the things that we need to keep in our hearts and in our minds, the amazing grace and the forgiveness of God. There are some of you that are sitting there thinking that you have gone too far, you've done too much, that God could never accept you, you could never be forgiven. I want to remind you, I, I, I brought this verse up a couple of days ago, 1 John 1 verse 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we come to God in honesty and humbleness before him, recognizing who he is and acknowledging who he is, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, recognizing who he is, what he did by dying on the cross to forgive us of our sins, and raising three days later in the flesh, giving us the gift of eternal life, that when this earthly body perishes, our spirit will still be alive with him. That is the hope that we have. 
That is the knowledge that we have. That is the truth that we have. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you come to him with that in your heart, knowing who you are, knowing who he is, you will be saved. He is faithful and he is just. You haven't gone too far. But if you turn away, you've turned away. This is a gift. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He offers it to you today. Are you going to take it or not? We can wrap up a gift and we can give it to someone, but it's up to that person to unwrap it, to take it and, and receive it. God has given you his son. And so you need to make that choice today. If you've been sitting on the fence, if you've been saying maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day, you know what? We're not promised the next day, are we? Don't wait. Don't put it off. Accept the Lord Jesus today. Come to him, believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and he will save you. In Jesus' name. And, and I want to encourage people who are watching. We need to pray for the things going on in the world because it's very, very challenging. We need to pray for everyone. And Father, I pray right now, and all of us pray, whether we're watching this on our phones or whether we're watching this on the internet, wherever we're watching it on stations, I pray that you would help us. And I pray that you would help the people and, and remove the demonic forces from getting a hold of people and making them do crazy and unhumane things. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with them and touch them and help all of us to stay close to you, Lord, because we recognize, as Paul said, that our citizenship is in heaven. So yes, Lord, we come to you, but Lord, I pray that people would come to you and give us all an opportunity to tell everybody about Jesus Christ, because that's the, that's the obedience to the scripture. Thank you, Lord, for Matthew 28. And I pray, Lord, that we would also read that tonight. That's very, very important. In Jesus' wonderful name and powerful name. And we all said together, amen, amen. and make it so, Lord Jesus. Remember to write for our Bible guide. It's coming this month and uh, that's the January guide. It's very exciting, new material, very interesting. You're gonna wanna see it. And also uh, it is just something that we need to do as we read today, the world is a mess. But God has spoken to us about this, Matthew 24 and the whole rest of it. Write for your Bible guide today. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. 
Keep me close to your word in everything I do and read. In Jesus' name, amen.